Hello and welcome to Forget the Numbers, the CMS Student Podcast. I'm Alan and once again here remotely with Connor. Hello everyone. This week on the show we talk about how your future might look when you pass your CMA exams and how important what you are learning now will be used throughout your career. We also look at recent news stories in the food delivery industry before getting to this week's student question. So Connor, I think what we've been, um, when you talk about students and, and lost in the the exams and uh, starting whatever, maybe finished case studies now, getting back into OT questions and the sl- and the slog that that kind of oh, of another exam and where is the end? And I think today we thought we'd have a look at something that would be maybe show them what the end looks like and give them an idea about how they're going to benefit from completing their SEMA exams. Yeah. So, I- Sorry, go on. Just on that, I th- I think, and you know, we've we've all studied at this stage, and I've been in that same position. But you can be so caught into exam cycles and study materials and the different syllabus that you do forget that bigger picture, and you're so focused on studying, it starts to lose that meaning of well, what is this information going to actually be useful for, and all these skills I'm learning. You know, what's the the benefit of us? apart from just getting that qualification, but how can all these, are these going to enhance your career? Yeah. So we talked, we looked at some articles on the SEMA website and there's one, um, there's a SEMA um, holder, Aidan Goddard, who's based in the Hong Kong regional office of, is it Locketane? I, I always, I, I never that know. That is what I certain. say, but I could equally okay. be wrong. We're probably both well, as clueless well, as Well, when we say other. they're manufacturing retail of body, face and skincare products, people can either say we got it right or chuckle at our attempt at explaining <laughs> it. Um, but that's not the important part. And um, Aiden is the chief financial and operating officer for Asia Pacific. So obviously somebody with an awful lot of uh, responsibility and with his SEMA qualification has got there. And his responsibilities cover finance, IT, supply chain, and HR functions. So I think what we've always said about SEMA, it's that wide-ranging thing. It's kind of, you're not kind of saying, I'm becoming SEMA, and then I'm going to be an accountant in the corner. You look at Aiden's job, for example, it's it's right across, it's touching on all those areas of the OT questions and the case studies that I think sometimes students say, well, why are we doing that? That's not accountancy. That I don't need to be a, a management accountant to know about kind of data or I don't need to know about supply chain or what happened in a HR function. I think this is if if you want to get to these really interesting jobs as a senior SEMA member, do this is the type of thing that you need to be concentrating on. Yeah, and I, I think it really does hold true that kind of the changing face of what an accountant looks like and and how that has evolved. And you'll see that within um the different blueprints for the exams. And you know, I, I'm sure if you showed um a non SEMA person or, or a non-accountant those syllabus they think wow there's so much more in this than what i would have thought that accountants are concerned with but you know it is that wide-ranging different areas that you have to have a good understanding with that really is reflected in what you study so aiden has given um i think in the article they're called aiden's top tips and he's given a number of top tips for I guess people who are studying now and, and to think about the benefits for their future and everybody will say, oh, well, you w- he would say this, but I think um, he's saying be di- diligent in your studies. And I think that's your studies now as you try and become a SEMA member. But it's also for like just because you finish your exams doesn't mean you stop studying, doesn't mean you don't try and keep up to date with things. And I think you're in a unique situation where is you're so used to doing kind of big exams with SEMA now, 
if you kind of kept even 20% of the time you're studying now into trying to better yourself even after you become a SEMA member, that's a massive benefit to your career. Yeah, and, and as you said, it's it's really just building that habit in and it's it's kind of having that um, that kind of thirst for continuing learning, continuing to develop yourself. Um, but yeah, if, if you can build those skills now as you're working through your your SEMA material and see the benefit of that and see how it's developing you it's a lot easier to keep that going as you uh, once you get qualified and as you go later into your career and I think tying that in like the focusing on that education and, and whether it's professional development or continuous development it really is kind of it gives you that kind of push to say okay well there's new challenges out there there's a job, there's a promotion going where I work and I can go for that because not only am I SEMA qualified, but I've I've done these courses, I've done this extra education in the meantime um, in order to prepare myself to take jobs like that. I think that's really key. Yeah, I think the, the next one, and again, it kind of, it carries through what we're saying and those other things, but getting involved in different projects in your work or even outside of work, the more you can involve yourself in that's a really good way to build those skills and knowledge and see things in practice because you're actually seeing that being done by the different projects that you get involved in. Um, and we often talk to students doing the case studies about, you know, try to think how you would do that in the real world or what are the commercial aspects of that? Or if you were tasked with this at work, what would be the things you think about? But if you are doing all those different extra projects or you're really involving yourself and being proactive in your job, that will carry through to anything you're looking at in your SEMA studies because you'll have all these points of reference that you've you've seen. So there's a couple of things then that, that kind of go together. So um, getting involved in projects and kind of putting yourself forward and saying to the people you're working with or working for, oh, I see there's a new project going on here. Can I be part of it? Can I come into those meetings? Can I hear more about that? And, and that allows you to focus on what's going on. I think you can get into a habit of saying if, if you have a, a daily task that you go in and you put your head down and you do your daily task, but kind of getting more involved, putting yourself forward, lifting your head up every now and then, just listening, even just listening to what's going on what other people are doing their jobs, what what struggles they're having, what's going well and what's not going well. Just to get an overall business understanding, I think, is vital. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, even if that's a case of just being more aware of what's going on in the news, um, you know, being aware of the headlines, some deals that are going on in business, that will make you so much more aware of different aspects that you then come to to look at and even some of the more theoretical concepts you'll see in your course that will suddenly start to make sense when you can see actual business strategies you can understand that and, and even the news stories that we talk about each week you know while they may seem more anecdotes of different things going on you'll see how often we can kind of link that back to material you might have covered stuff you might have seen but it, it really just does build that commercial awareness and as i said they they start to become points of reference not only when you're doing your study but sometimes within your exam it can kind of give you clarity because you can see it by the real world examples i think something we find funny when we talk to SEMA students and the subjects they struggle with and it's often that finance does financial reporting subjects and i think sometimes we think well you want to be an accountant and you're struggling with IFRS, but they can they can be difficult and i think the 
Aiden talks about don't be put off by the numbers and I think that starts when you're studying it all, all the way through your career because they are a snapshot of what's happening you, you can learn so much from the numbers and, and the trend of numbers and what's happening now and what happened last year and last week and like you also have this benefit that if you can understand like income statements and balance sheets and cash flow and if you can look at how they all match together and what the messages they're saying you can get really valuable information and kind of come up with good advice for people that has a it's like an exam question not only can you um, give an opinion but you can give an opinion where you have a backup you have you have reasons why you gave that opinion and and having that little bit of knowledge, it's not knowledge everybody has and it's a lot of knowledge people kind of shy away from because they think it's really complicated and if you can kind of show that off and use that effectively it's a really big advantage yeah another thing which which he said that i, I actually thought was very good was that about trying to predict what may happen in the future and prepare for those eventualities so the the thing that sprung into my mind was you know obviously understanding and seeing all these trends of technology for anyone who's um, studying, they'll notice how much more digital this SEMA syllabus is and that focus on digital strategies, digital everything. But if you get a good grasp of that digital future, the the, the effects that that can have um, on what you're looking at, you know, that's extra knowledge that when you're in a meeting and, and these things are coming up that you have the experience of studying and understanding those things. So, you know, looking at trends that you see, things happening in the future, things you you might even see happening other companies when you're looking at the news and getting a good understanding and kind of digging more into that because that will put you in a really good position for not only what you're currently working at but also maybe potentially preparing for other opportunities ways that you can take your career in the future yeah and i think that that's and taking your career and i think we've been a lot of this has been kind of somewhat technical about your studies but i think his last point is really important and it's a, it's able to kind of develop those leadership and interpersonal skills and be self confident and and self confidence doesn't just come from and people will go oh they look at somebody and say oh Connor you're a very confident looking person but you you're going into a room or a meeting being confident because you know your stuff you understand what's going to be talked about so you've done all of that stuff beforehand you've done the exams you've continued to continuous preparation. Uh, development you have put your head up you've listened to what's going on you got involved in projects which means you have that that self-confidence and i do think there's an element once you get that confident that you know what's going on and that you go to your first few meetings and give an opinion and people go that's a good idea that's a it's well worth you coming along leadership and those skills start building naturally because you kind of get that if you can get the confidence that people kind of trust what you say the rest does follow it and it gives you a really good career opportunities then to take lots of different paths. Yeah. And I, I think, um, and it's funny cause I think it's something that had come up in a conversation we'd had, but this idea of, you know, professionally, it's about building your own brand and all of these things filter into that. And you, you kind of have to think, you know, for any students at the moment, you know, what questions you might be asked in a potential interview down the line and, it's a lot of that. If, if you know where you'd maybe like to get, all of these things that you're doing now will be, you know, they'll stand to benefit you later on by saying, oh, well, I was interested in this, so I got involved in this project. Um, you know, I, I followed more series on the news of this. And if you were to just use a, a random example that I think is in the SEMA course, if you were interested in working for a blockchain company because you think blockchain is, is where it's going, you know, and you say, 
I have, you know, within my studies, I've dived more into that. I followed news stories on that. My company were looking at this, so I got involved in a project on that. It's all building up skills that you have at your disposal through what you're doing um, within your SEMA course, but it's putting you in that position later on that you can get the benefit of all of those. So if you're really wondering what like doing SEMA is all about and what the benefits are, um, if you look at Aiden from a recruitment perspective, and he is a recruiter and he talks about that, what he would say is that he's particularly looking out for, for candidates with the SEMA qualification and he encourages any staff to do those exams if they don't already have them and regards it as a great way of developing an academic knowledge of finance and turning that also into a working and professional understanding in a real life business context. So it's clear that he values the SEMA membership and I, and I don't think he's alone. So if you are ever getting feeling like what am I doing this for? Is there a real future in this? I think hopefully this podcast has put your mind at ease that if you can build up those skills and if you really kind of push yourself um, through your exams, not just to pass the exams, but also to add those skills um, to your armory as such, there are people like Aiden out there very keen to hire you. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for extra content, important news, live streams, study tips, and much more. So, Alan, the story this week is all centered around the food delivery industry. And I actually had a a bit of a double take on this headline because um, it's saying that European food delivery group Just Eat Takeaway has agreed to buy U.S. rival Grubhub in a deal that's for $7.3 billion. And It's usually the other way around, isn't it? (laughs) Well, yeah, actually, I'd... I'd seen recently, I said, I thought Uber had just bought Grubhub, but as it transpired in the, um, in the article, Uber and Grubhub had failed their potential merger because of scrutiny. Someone else mm. is trying to buy this. Um, you know, they talk about this deal will create the biggest um, food delivery company outside of China, where they've takeaway.com. Um, and it's really looking at kind of combining these um two big companies to, I suppose, try and monopolize this sector. But what's very interesting about this industry, um, and it's similar to kind of the the taxi sharing industry, things like the regular Uber app and, um, you know, we've my taxi here, there's all these different companies, is that they're actually kind of loss-making industries that rely on getting to a monopoly stage. So people run at these huge losses and they fight for, kind of territory it's almost like they're fighting for different territory they're running at losses and they're trying to just become the biggest um so what's interesting here uber we're obviously trying to do that now just either trying to get in there and and um take over this company and it's it's something that a lot of, a lot of analysts have said is long overdue that this food delivery industry you know the money they put in to gain and retain customers that eventually some of these are going to have to be consolidated to be sustainable yeah it just doesn't make sense and they their models don't need competition in, yeah in a funny way and uh and the last thing these companies need is to be competing on a price basis because their their margins are not huge they're it's based on traffic and, and as you said the only way to really succeed is being being the number one and if there is a number two that number two is so irrelevant that you're so clearly the you have an effective monopoly if not an actual monopoly depending on 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 the country because it really is it's a it's a gamble industry really isn't it when you think about it yeah you're spending a lot of money and you're getting a lot of investment 
but there's nothing to say that you won't be the biggest and there's nothing to say that the biggest won't want to pay you whatever 703 million to take you over or 7.3 billion to take you over like and if you're one of those ones that aren't an attractive takeover option and aren't the number one you put a lot of effort and a lot of and then you're kind of looking now and you think okay well we were kind of making progress and now we have this mega giant in Europe and the US kind of coming together um it's kind of what happened in kind of with bookmakers and gambling with the 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 combining of a lot of, it's it really is needed in an industry but there's a lot of small companies who will probably suffer because of it as well yeah and i think again what's interesting about this industry and it does um you know it does come under a lot of fire because most of these companies they kind of have this gig economy treatment of their workers who are paid kind of pittance um you know they they are they're funny industries that um you know even at the moment i i saw some stats that so you would presume that um lockdown and restaurants closed would lend itself to much higher traffic for these companies and you know certainly um you see a lot of them out but actually at the moment um they say that the the for just eat and uber eats they saw a drop in their average daily users of up to 23 percent in march um, mm. and they're actually seeing they've seen over the last couple of months lower usage because companies um which i was surprised like mcdonald's kfc that were closed they're the biggest things that food these people get their their food delivered mm. from so it's kind of one of these industries that is making a loss and you think well surely now is the time or if not now when is there going to be their golden age but they're actually struggling i know deliveroo has had to cut about 15 percent of their workforce and um, so they are struggling companies they're kind of the governance of them and the way they treat workers is funny so it is generally a, a strange industry but i suppose people are looking at it if they can just become the, the main player they stand to have um i suppose the best gains but that in the the short or even medium term just doesn't have a great effect for either company because they're just they're kind of burning through shareholder cash yeah and it's interesting with the delivery thing because i think any other industry that provides deliveries has probably uh, probably had like many Christmases or major Christmases over the last few months um, for anything else that you get delivered. But it, it's an interesting point. It's not that they couldn't deliver them. It's because there's nowhere open in order to produce what they deliver. Uh, and I guess I, I never actually thought about it like that until reading this article today, you, you, because there's lots of other articles about delivery companies and how they're hiring people and they're nearly borrowing vans to deliver the amount of, of deliveries that they have. But it's really interesting. It's the, the, this is one of those knock-on effects going the other way, that if the food places are closed down, then the delivery work isn't there. And, and it's just, there's a lot of panic then. As you said, the treatment of the employees is not um, top-notch, shall we say, yeah. in a lot of these companies. And therefore, like these people are... are are dropped in a heartbeat, I'm sure, when this is happening. Um, yeah. And there's things about some of them, they're working for themselves, so they're not getting a phone call to pick up something. They're, they're not getting income. And it's a, it's a really tough, it's a tough industry to work in. Um, and I'm not too sure, I think that's where employees will lose out. I'm not too sure that the uh, uh, amalgamation of all these companies is going to have be a long-term success for the employee. Try us for free by registering for a basic plan on LearnSignal.com to get everything you need to pass your exams. 
So, Alan, our question this week, um, which I'm sure is something a lot of people are feeling, but is what is the best way to get started? Yeah, it's getting started and something's the hardest thing. I always, when people go, I don't want to do something, I, I find that the, they, once they get five minutes into it, they, they forget that they didn't want to do it and, and they're in the swing of things. And it is the hardest part, especially if it's a new subject. And so if you're ready to tackle your next OT exam or getting ready for a case study, I think the first part has to be to download a timetable. And we have timetables available for all the OT subjects and for the case studies. And what you need to do is then you take that timetable and we give you a, a, a weekly outline. We give you a target about how to pass your exam. And then what we would recommend is you take it and you, you add that schedule to your own life. So whether it's around work, whether you prefer morning, afternoon, evening study, um, whatever it is, build it into your life. Don't, don't kind of go into study with dread and thinking, oh, I'm going to have to give up everything in order to study. That's not the way we've built up our timetables and that's not the way we encourage you to study. We don't want you to study for eight or nine hours all day Saturday and all day Sunday. You're better off studying for 45 to 60 minutes every day, five or six times a week, rather than doing those long stretches. And you might say, well, that's hard to fit in. But if you can fit in those 45 minutes, you will learn more, you'll pick up more, and it won't seem so bad. And to be honest, you won't have to give up so much of your life. So that's definitely, take the timetable, build it into your life, don't change your life massively because of your studies, and everything will be a little bit easier that way. So we're going to leave it there for this week. Hopefully the advice from Aidan was beneficial and gets that motivation going, and we'll talk to you again next time. Bye.